Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now it's time to get a bit cryptic. This is the first ever interview on a bit cryptic podcast. I'm very excited to have two rock star entrepreneurs. Today we have Shayan Zadeh, founder of Zeus, the popular online dating platform, and LeapRail, an AI platform. He won the Next Big Thing Award from Wall Street Journal and Inc. 5000 from Inc. Magazine. In addition, we have my longtime friend Alex Senemar, who is founder of the healthcare analytics company Sherbit, which was awarded Most Innovative Company by Harvard Medical School. Together, they are creating an SSL-like verification system for blockchain wallets to make the crypto world a little bit safer. I'm joined by my co-host, Alain Leon, aka Bitcoin Van Gogh, as he's been called. Guys, I must say, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. How's everyone doing today? I'm excited as well, Jeff. We have two uh, good interviews here. Thanks for having us. We are really excited as well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little intimidated even. So tell me a little bit about your background. Let's start with uh, Cheyenne. What was it like to be an immigrant, going from an immigrant from Iran to becoming an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's been the dream come true, however I think about it. I grew up in a small town on the border of Turkey, Iran, and Iraq. And if you had asked me 20 years ago, I would end up where I am today. I wouldn't believe it, let alone other people. Came to US uh, as a graduate student studying computer science. My focus was uh, artificial intelligence. From there, I didn't actually finish the PhD. I dropped out, so I have one badge of honor. I went to Microsoft in Seattle, worked for a number of years there, but as soon as my immigration was worked out, I knew I want to start a company. I uh, left Microsoft, came down here to Bay Area, regrouped with my college roommate and started Zeus. Ran that company for a little bit over eight years, uh, grew it to 200 people, 200 million in revenue. Took some time off after that, launched another company called LeapRail, focusing on AI and healthcare. And for the past year or so, I've been consumed with the world of crypto. With Alex, we have started working on TrustRoot. Super awesome. It's almost like a, something that you have to do to become an entrepreneur these days. You have to drop out of something, otherwise you're not a real entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. It seems that way. Now, let me ask you a question. When you arrived in the U.S., just, just to back up a little bit and talk about uh, your past, did you run into culture shock at all? I mean, how was that coming from Iran, Turkey, the border, as you said, into the U.S.? Absolutely. I mean, from the simplest things, i give you a funny story. I had no idea what a stop sign is. They don't exist in Iran. Like, they do exist, but nobody stops. So, yeah. So, when I moved here, the first time I saw somebody stopping in the middle of the street for no good reason, it just blew my mind. Like, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) Until I learned, oh, it's a stop sign for safety. It's a good idea to to put on your brakes here. So, things as simple as that, and obviously all the way to cultural differences and pace of innovation here and and everything that goes with it. But luckily, when you come into a university environment, you can quickly absorb a lot in a short period of time. And that was a good ramp up for me. I can see that. Did you have anybody that mentored you in a way or did you have some friends that made you feel at home that perhaps helped you? 
Oh, certainly. I mean, uh, I moved here for, so the graduate school that I moved to was University of Maryland. I actually started at the same time with two of my close friends from Iran, and we, we became roommates, and one of those were the individual that I started Zusk with. So I had that, that support, obviously, in friends and mentors along the way to help me not only learn the cultural nuances, but also how to pursue my academic dreams and then later on my entrepreneurial dreams been influential and, and critical for anything that I've been able to accomplish. Yeah, always you have, we need to have some backup, something that helps us. And uh, that happened to, in my case, a little bit. I was also an immigrant and that's why I asked you that question. Yeah, I mean, you look at the innovators in the U.S. and a lot of them are, if not first-gen immigrants, second-gen immigrants, right? So I think people are coming here and contributing a lot, working really hard and, and trying to do their best to give back to, to a country that has given them so much. And I certainly feel that way now as a citizen that it has given me a lot of opportunities and I want to return the favor and do as much as I can for the country and for the people here and around the globe. I must say, I wish I could have seen your face when you saw the first stop sign. <laughs> Literally, I will never forget that moment. It was uh, it was a revelation. <laughs> Things like that happened. When I got here, I thought my microwaves were TVs. <laughs> See, I'm not alone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, that's a real story. True story. As much as I'd love to hear that story, I want to focus on the guests here. So, Alex, you and I go way back, but I think that's a story for another day. I just want to hear a little bit, you know, about your backgrounds, a little bit about Sherbet and, and all that. So, my background uh, is I actually grew up in the Bay Area and uh, I've always been in love with technology since a young age and studied information systems in college down in the San Diego area. And when I came back here, I really wanted to do something that had a major impact um, and took on a couple of jobs within the analytics space and saw there was opportunity to help impact the healthcare system through the company that I originally started called Sherbet. And what Sherbet did was uh, monitor patients through their apps and devices uh, and alert physicians and hospitals uh, when their patients went out of range so they could intervene and improve their health. So this is a, a space that I'm like very... Um, excited about the blockchain. I've been following it for a couple of years now and the opportunity to kind of work with Shion, who I originally met with, uh, met through Sherbet was really exciting to me to kind of help, uh, influence the space and grow it. Yeah. How did that go down? It's actually a funny story. The way, the way we met, and I think Alex is, can say it better yeah. than I can. I actually don't think Shion knows the full story. Uh, I, I can tell you the truth. Okay. So, uh, Originally, when I was, uh, I'm fighting this out now. Wait, wait, wait. There's drama here. Damn. <laughs> this is a rating driver, man. Yeah. The drama in. The truth. <laughs> so originally, uh, a couple years before we even met, maybe a year before we met, I sent Shion a LinkedIn message saying, hey, like we're working on this company, Sherbet. Uh, like love to get your feedback and advice because I was trying to kind of reach out to the community and kind of get feedback. It was like in the early days when we were starting um, and they didn't respond to me. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, following up from that, <laughs> I was really clearly upset about this whole situation. He has uh, never told me. Yeah. I, literally, I'm hearing about this today. <laughs> Uh, it's in the LinkedIn messages. I'm sure we can dig through it. <laughs> and we ended up meeting. Uh, there was a meetup event at a, a healthcare conference. 
and Sean was exploring more to learn about how his AI company could have an impact on the healthcare space. We ended up meeting through a crew at that time, and I had uh, obviously like, seen his face before through my email and on LinkedIn. So we ended up connecting, chatting more and more about uh, the work we were doing, and that's how uh, I guess the relationship started. Cool. So is that email still unchecked? Have you even opened it, Cheyenne? Uh, if I can dig through my <laughs> LinkedIn inbox, which got it, it, I know it needs an upgrade, LinkedIn. <laughs> 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 Maybe we should open it right now. No, but when I when I when we first met in person, I was really impressed with with Alex's approach to building his company, and uh, he asked me if I could be of help and advisory capacity for Sherbet, and I was so excited meeting a young, driven, smart entrepreneur. He just jumped on the idea, and we had collaborated on on the Sherbet side of things for over a year now, I think, officially even in, in that capacity. And uh, when the opportunity came about to, to work together in a, in a co-founder setting, I was like, this this is perfect. This is just uh, those relationships that you feel from the get-go quality and uh, people that you can trust and work with. And I've uh, been fortunate enough to be able to team up and uh, tackle this next challenge. But I think one thing to add to that, and this is just from the experiences that I'm, I'm sure anyone who's been through this before, um, at the end of the day, a company is built up of the people that uh, work there. And if you can't trust the people and they can't deliver on those items, uh, it makes it really hard to build something special. So I think that's really exciting about what we're doing. Alex, what made you reach out to Cheyenne? Oh, the first time? Yes, the first time. <laughs> oh, we're digging deeper into the things we weren't supposed to share. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I was going through, and this was a, originally sure, but it was a consumer application before it approached the healthcare space. And I was trying to figure out how, like, I wasn't from the consumer space and was trying to kind of do my own research and learn a little bit more about the market before I fully go in. and. Uh, there's a few people I, th I thought that had been very successful in this space and wanted to try to connect with them. Shine, you mentioned that you were impressed with Alex's method in which he was building his company. Was that exactly? I think a, a couple of different things. I think Alex comes to problems with a very open mind. Even when he has an idea of how to approach it, he still seeks out people with, with alternative views and ideas and... A lot of people might say, I listen to others and try to incorporate the feedback, but he, he truly believes in it and does it, and it shows in, in iterations of his his ideas and how he fleshes out his strategy, and that always impressed me, because a lot of entrepreneurs, they just fall in love with the first idea or the second or the third, and just it's hard for them to, to evolve from there. So that, that openness to taking new information and in an intelligent way incorporating in it and adjusting your course uh, was really impressive to me. The other thing that really stood out for me was how he could get people excited to contribute to, to his ideas and his projects without having to use you know, financial incentives. It's one thing to have somebody do participate in certain activity because they're being compensated for it. But I think a true leader is somebody who can really get a team passionate about solving a problem and tackling a hard challenge without even those resources. And it's not to say that you don't want to have good financial compensation in place when you build a team, but the ability of a leader that can go above and beyond that 
and really gets people passionate and excited about a problem and solving it is, is really unique and uh, rare and uh, very valuable. And I clearly saw that in, in Alex and how he had all his team locked in on solving the healthcare problem that he was tackling at Sherbet. I want to like clap. That was such a good answer. Have you heard this before, Alex? Is this the first time? You need to get that like inscribed on a pillow. <laughs> wow, what, a, what an answer. I would, I would be blushing if I were you, Alex. I was, yeah, I was like, I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> and you're making it very personal. He didn't even know how I first figured out about it. <laughs> so, Lion, what do you want to ask these guys? Well, I think at this point we can move on to uh, trust route. So we got the uh, background of how they met each other and how the trust came to happen in between them. But what made you say, okay, we're going to move on and we're going to create trust route? How did you get into the blockchain space? What brings trust route to life? Certainly. So I was intrigued from from the early days of, of Bitcoin just because of my background in computer science. I actually wrote a couple of papers on, on network security way back in the day, in my younger days as a PhD student. Uh, so when Bitcoin first came out, and I got on my radar, obviously, it was a couple of two years, I think, after it had it has been published. The original paper had been published. It was just intriguing on an intellectual level. So I started just listening to it and conversation around it and, and trying to keep up uh, up to date with it. But my day job at Zeus was really overwhelming, so I lost track of things for a couple of years. And when I came back to it, uh, it had grown to such a phenomenal ecosystem beyond just Bitcoin itself and all these other cryptocurrencies and blockchain and the projects that were launching on them. So that was just a fascinating world for me. And some of these projects really resonated with me. Uh, I started participating in some of the uh, ICOs. And every time I was in transacting in the universe of uh, cryptocurrencies, I had this anxiety when I was dealing with anything meaningful in terms of transferring assets that am I am I sending it to the right place? I mean, I have dealt with a lot of scammers and hackers in my career being uh, building internet companies. And you guys probably have heard of a variety of different stories around how scammers or hackers, for example, attack dating sites. So that was, at Zeus, one of the core responsibilities of our team in terms of product and in terms of customer support was how to identify bad actors, flush them out, how to verify the, the legitimate users. So coming from that world and then seeing how easy it is to transfer funds on, on blockchain and how irreversible that is, it's like this is breeding ground for bad actors and people being stolen out of their property. And even personally, when I was transacting, I always had this anxiety in the back of my head, like triple checking everything. And if it was a really meaningful transaction that I was doing, I even would uh, call people up and say, is this, let me read the wallet address for you in a completely manual way of making sure that I'm transacting with the right person. It just felt that we can do a lot better than that. Like just throwing a bunch of warnings on the page and 
hoping that people don't get taken advantage of is not enough. And that's where the genesis of the idea of Trust Root came about. Yeah, I think we've all we've all been there. I think all our listeners have probably been there as well. Two o'clock in the morning, you're trying to send a transaction and trying to verify it to make sure that it goes to the right place. Because once that's sent, that, that's gone. It's not coming back. So in a way, this... You came up with this idea out of some personal experience. Was there more to it or was it just well, I think there's definitely some more to it. Part of kind of like what I saw and my excitement with joining Shine on this was that a lot of these ICOs in the market itself, in order for this to actually develop into the, the currency that people want it to be and the, the technology like that people are uh, shooting it for, is it needs to really have some of the basic fundamentals of identity and reputation that exists in our current uh, system. And since those don't, don't actually exist today, uh, it's led to a lot of the ha hacks that everyone's uh, familiar with, whether it's Experty or uh, Sealy Tech or the Apex Network. Uh, and even recently the origin protocol. And I think that in order for this to really grow to the level that we all expect, these types of technology need to fall in place for it to uh, deliver on that. I don't know if you followed the essays by Paul Graham, but like one of the things that gets me going a lot is when developers build something that solves a problem for themselves because they really know the, the issue that they're trying to solve and then they do a hopefully better job and they can empathize with the problem very, very directly. And this is one of those examples that I think all of us that on the project have had first-hand experience feeling that anxiety. Fortunately, we haven't been taken advantage of, but I know people that have been, even like Ernest & Young had a report recently that said they estimate close to 10% of uh, ICO contributions alone have been stolen through scams and hacks, right? So if you wanna see the world where cryptocurrencies are a mainstream thing and we're building products and experiences around this foundation, like Alex said, we need to build this, these infrastructure pieces and we feel Trustroot fills one of these big gaps and, and is gonna help all the participants, the projects, the, uh, the wallets, the consumers, and everybody in between in, in the context. And let me give you an analogy of how we envision it. Maybe that, that will be helpful for your audience as well. If you think about today in, in the, on the web, right, when you go to paypal.com, you're not worried that somebody is has set up a phishing account because in your browser you see that green badge, that SSL certificate that says, okay, this is PayPal Inc. They're based in Sunnyvale. They have been verified by a certificate authority, has gone through some rigorous process. And that's why your browser gives you that green badge. And you feel comfortable transacting with PayPal because you have some level of confidence that that's the party that you're dealing with. We are trying to bring that, that clarity, that confidence to any crypto wallet that you might be transacting with and just give you a similar picture so that at the point of transaction, you can feel confident that this is the party that you intended to transact with. And then hopefully you, you move forward and we believe this is gonna actually expand the ecosystem and make more people comfortable playing in this, uh, in this game. Yeah, and, and what you guys are doing couldn't come any sooner. I think pretty much every ICO, if not every single ICO right now is getting attacked by 
scammers and hackers and and people who were bad actors trying to scoop up some of the money from inexperienced investors. So what what did you say it was the the Ernst and Young figure? It was three point seven billion, right? Something like that. Of the funds that are raised for ICOs, ten percent of that is getting taken. It's crazy. Absolutely. Even I think last this past weekend, a network of uh, fake but mnemonically closed uh, Twitter accounts was discovered where they create a Twitter account that kind of looks like a well-known cryptocurrency uh, uh, celebrity or name or founder, and they post on behalf of that person, if you send me this much eat, I'll return this much more, helping the community, and just put a bogus uh, address in there, and people are sending it money in the hopes of getting some donation from some of the crypto people and their heart and money goes and is stolen. So the vectors are so, so many and so profound and we really want to build a foundational thing that can apply to all of these different use cases. Btoken did that with the CEO was, had a live video that he was holding up the addresses and hand wrote the hand wrote the address in addition to printing it. And there were even videos that came out afterwards where people like had edited the YouTube video to put their address on top, but they left it as a still picture because it's too hard because he was purposely moving it around in the video to make it difficult to make it look. Certainly. I mean, we think of it as a multi-pronged approach and we can talk about what we are doing today and also but what's our vision uh, over the next uh, couple of years. The way to really make this ironclad and uh, have 100% confidence, you basically need to have something that's built into your browser, the same way that when you go to a secure site, that green badge is built into your browser. But from here to get there, there are intermediate steps that we can take. So the way we are approaching it with Trustroot, we will have JavaScript libraries that projects can basically integrate into their, uh, into their properties so that a particular wallet address that they want to Remote gets connected to uh, the certification for trust route that will be living on the blockchain itself. Then the next level of uh, security comes if you download the trust route browser plugin, it basically cross validates that. So you get a secondary confirmation so that if the page is being hacked, but your browser is safe, obviously you get, you get double confirmation and kind of like think of a double badge of certification. And like I said, ultimately our vision is that we work with standard bodies and all the major browsers from people that are purely focused on crypto like Brave all the way to Chrome's and and Firefox and IEs of the world so that we can bring this confidence to as many people as possible. So like I said, we think of it as stages and a multi-pronged approach, but that, that gives you a sense hopefully. Of what it is. Now, one quick question here. There are other companies in the identity space. One of the companies that is very well known is Civic. They had, you know, their ICO some time ago, very successful. What you're describing doesn't really seem like that model. It's, it seems like it's identity and security, but it's, it's a little bit different. I know a lot of our listeners are familiar with Civic. Would you mind quickly perhaps contrast and compare? Yeah, definitely. So Civic, I think, is looking at bringing all of your personal information to one place. So you have a personal identity on the web that you can use to interact with other businesses, whether it's bringing in your ID or other different piece of information that you collect on a regular basis. You 
can pretty much uh, bring in more along lines of like a Facebook login or a Google login and uh, in a peer-to-peer -peer way. We're looking at really verifying the entities on the that you send money to to ensure that you're sending money to the correct entity when you actually do send that money in. Definitely within the same realm with very different services and different targets. Yeah, going back to, to the example that I was giving, like Alex said, I think Civic is doing basically peer-to-peer. -peer. So every time that you want to have access to my identity, I need to authorize it, right? That's that's the model, which is great because you will be in control of your data and only and when you, on an individual case-by-case -case basis, authorize access to that data, that data will be exposed. So that's great for an individual when it's sharing it with an organization because I want to be in control of my data and, and send it that way. It doesn't work in every scenario because imagine that you were using, for example, Civic and you're an ICO project and you want to give identity information to all the contributors to your project. Then you have to authorize on an individual basis sharing of your information with them. It would be as if you went to you went to PayPal.com and for you to know that you went to the legitimate site, somebody on PayPal side for every visitor would say, yes, give them this information. Yes, give them this information. So really peer-to-peer verification on the civic side and for Trustroot, we're talking about one too many. Like an organization, an entity says, this is who I am and I expose this information to everybody in the public realm so that they have confidence transacting with me. So similar concept in the sense that we are both covering identity but completely different use cases and, and approaches to it. And both of them are needed and, and valuable, but they just address different uh, use cases. So five to 10 years down the road, what do you guys hope that this looks like? both Trustroot and the, the environment you're hoping to create around it? In reality, if we want to see that vision of, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies being a mainstream thing and all these amazing projects that are going to revolutionize how we work and transact and share information goes beyond the core uh, technical group of people, we need to have these simple-to-use, safe, trustworthy uh, pieces of infrastructure in place, and that's why we're so stoked about Trustroot, and we want to bring it to, to masses as fast as we can. And having come from a consumer background and building something for millions of people to use, I'm hoping that my and Alex's experience allows us to do this in a way that is accessible to as many people as possible. Under the hood, a lot of technical, great security work, but like Alien said, we want to make it easy to use for everybody on, on the, at the interface level. And we hope that our experience in our past ventures on that side is going to be relevant and helpful in that process. Yeah. Having seen it personally, I see websites copied and they look exactly like the original website and they maybe have changed it to .net or .org or .eu. And they have an official looking Twitter that'll have even more followers than the actual real one sometimes. And they'll just change it to like this company official, you know, instead of the original one. It's crazy. Like the, the level of like the, the sheer volume of attack. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. Even I think last this past weekend, a network of uh, fake but mnemonically closed uh, Twitter accounts was discovered where they create a Twitter account that kind of looks like a well-known cryptocurrency uh, 
uh, celebrity or name or founder and they post on behalf of that person, if you send me this much eat, I'll return this much more uh, helping the community and just put a bogus uh, address in there and people are sending it money in the hopes of getting some donation from some of the crypto people and their heart and money goes uh, and is stolen. So the vectors are so, so many and so profound, and we really want to build a foundational thing that can apply to all of these different use cases. There is definitely a lot of need. I constantly read about donation addresses, you know, on a website being hacked and changed. I was reading the other day how there's a malware attacking all the miners, and what it does is it changes the the address where the reward goes to. And there you are, you know, working away. And uh, your money, your hard-earned money is going to somebody else. So there's definitely a big demand for this. Like I said, we really want to work with, make this as ubiquitous as possible so that it's really hard to cheat people out of their property. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, I think the ultimate solution is that we want to work with standard bodies, get it in all the browsers, making it as accessible and ingrained as possible so that all of these horror stories that you're talking about is a thing of past and you just look back and say, wow, those are crazy days from, from the identity side of things. But the other exciting thing that we are also layering on top of this is a, uh, is a reputation level. So it's one thing to know that you are dealing with an organization and who they are, but the next level is what has been the experience of other people transacting with this entity. We all know challenges with reputation, crowdsourced reputation systems on the web, but we think blockchain actually lends itself very well for this because you can validate if I have transacted with somebody else, if I'm writing a review for them. So you can cut out a lot of these fake reviews and uh, other challenges that people have had on, on peer-to-peer or crowdsourced reputation systems. And we are excited to build that as a next layer on top of the Trustroot protocol uh, to not only tell you that you are dealing with, with the company you want you want to deal with but also what has been the experience or the feedback of other people who have transacted with this organization uh, and there are very exciting opportunities for innovation on that front that that we are building into the trust route foundation now to ask a little bit more about that and try to stay high level some of our listeners perhaps even myself may not understand if you go into detail but how would that work do do i need to download a plugin for my browser do you work with the these companies at a high level, would you be able to add some clarity there? We are in active development uh, on the protocol, so the smart contracts are actually in pretty good shape. The design is completed, and we are reviewing with some uh, some third parties to validate some of our basic assumptions. Obviously, this being around security and identity, we, we are investing a lot on that front. We are also actively in uh, development of the interface layer, like I said, JavaScript library, uh, browser add-on, and, and everything else that goes along with that process. We, we look forward to sharing a lot more of this with the community as soon as it gets to a place that we are comfortable with it, being of a, of a good quality for an alpha release. So that's where the development and, and the technology part is going. On the business side of things, we are doing a pre-sale right now, and our target is to have a public sale uh, sometime in aggressively in Q2, maybe early Q3. So we'll see how that how that resolves. 
So for, for pre-sale, if you're an accredited investor in the U.S. or, or you're from outside the United States, uh, you can reach out to us, go to trustroot.io, send us an email at info at trustroot.io, uh, join our Telegram channel. All the links are on trustroot.io, so you can go and uh, get in touch with us. And as we get closer to the public sale for, for the broader audience, we'll make announcements. So make sure you sign up for our newsletter on the website so we can keep you in the loop on developments and the process. And we'll put a link in the show notes just to make sure our listeners don't get that confused. <laughs> Correct. Trustroot.io. Yeah. So I saw your one pager and I want to know, how did you get Ty Lopez as an advisor. So Ty actually is a is a dear friend. I've known him through my co-founder at Zeus for a number of years now. Uh, he hosted Crypto Mastermind event in Los Angeles uh, last year. He invited me to that event, and uh, we were talking about different projects. And I told him what I'm working on with Trustroot, and it really resonated with him. Since then, uh, we've been exchanging uh, information on the project, and as we have been finalizing the the project and uh, launching the presale and putting the one pager together, he was more than happy to to help us uh, with the project. And as some of your audience might not know, Ty, he's a He's a very well-known personality. Uh, he's a social media expert, an advisor, uh, an investor in many companies. And uh, he actually has a couple of classes on cryptocurrency as well for, for his audience to get people started on on the concept and does a lot of videos around the, the topic as well. I think he's doing a lot of educating a broader group of people to, to the ecosystem, which is exciting to see. It's important stuff. I guess that's what we're trying to do here as well. Great minds think alike. So switching gears a little bit, what are some of the most exciting things for you for crypto outside of Trustroot for 2018? Yeah, I think the most exciting thing for me, and it goes against probably what most people think, is the regulations that are coming into place. Um, they really legitimize the market and make it much more friendly for investors outside of the current people in the blockchain market to actually step in and be more engaged. I think that those specific regulations and protections that are being afforded to the users of the market mixed in with the technologies that companies like ourselves are building really help make this uh, grow to level of excitement that much of the community sees within the potential of blockchain. So essentially, Trustroot cannot come fast enough. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the what the tech that's going to come out over the next year is. There's going to be some really interesting projects I have my eye on. And from a regulation side, I, Alex, I think you just made enemies with half of the crypto worlds all in one comment. So that is your long-term view. Can I ask a little bit more about the shorter timeline? Where are we in this? And from a tech point of view, I'm really excited about some of the releases around scalability. I think it's an, it's an area that all of us uh, want to see improvements in. And I think 2018 will bring us some of those wins. I mean, on the Bitcoin side of things, you've seen some improvement already with SegWit, but that adoption is going to continue. I think on Ethereum side, hopefully we'll see the next major release uh, expand the number of transactions 
options that we can do so. We can all buy more kitties at the same time. But from it, I think from a tech point, that's going to be an exciting development, and it's going to continue to expand the opportunity for us to build more interesting applications on top. Here's to that, to the moon, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> I think it will help with with everything. I mean, not not all the networks obviously are being utilized uh, and have that scale problem today. But the hypothesis that we all have in this community is that more and more experiences and transactions and value is going to be generated on here. So we will see more chains needing to process more transactions and we want them to be as fast as possible and we want them to be as cheap as possible. So to deliver on those ideals that we all have in the community, I think we want all the, all the chains from the most popular ones, obviously, like Ethereum and Bitcoin, but all the way down the stack to to take these innovations, uh, whether it's sharding or other other approaches, and integrate them into their tech stack. So as the scale of usage continues to grow, we are able to serve the consumers or the customers, whether it's enterprise or consumer, in an efficient and effective manner. Yeah, I guess, especially with the SEC looking down with their microscope at a lot of companies. It's more important than ever. You guys don't want to get slapped. And I think I'm not necessarily advocating for like a lot of regulation. What, what I'm really trying to communicate is that the fact that the governments are now looking at this somewhat legitimizes this as something that we should be looking at and putting protections around for individuals. So not so much along the lines of like, let's heavily regulate this and destroy the core fundamentals of the value of this technology, but along the lines of like, how do we protect consumers in being able to adopt these technologies quicker and more effectively? Yeah, 100% agree with you. I think self-regulation is the best way because the people that are actually doing the work know the ins and outs a lot better. And if we can be, I believe majority of the participants in the ecosystem want to create a safe and and a reasonable environment for all to participate. So if we can come together and build tech or even consortiums or best practices that, that we all go by, the government doesn't feel the need to come and have a strong hand in this. So I think it's a private-public collaboration that ultimately is going to work. And uh, I think all of us can contribute to that to being done the right way. Oh, definitely, yes. <laughs> I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, libertarians and anti-government folks uh, still in the community, and but there is a, a certain security that I would say that needs to happen if we are to get this technology to the masses. The masses expect a certain level of security. Yeah, and I, I have been actually impressed with, compared to other countries, the U.S. government has had a more steady hand on this, and I'm hoping that continues and they allow innovation to flourish and help us build the foundation that can really hopefully expand the global economy in a positive direction. And I would like to tell our listeners to go to trustroot.io, not trustroot.com. That is a completely different site with a lot of uh, Chinese characters. So you guys have, have done a lot up to this point. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back 10 years? I think the first thing that definitely comes to mind, and there's a lot of stuff, is make sure you choose the people you work with really well. At the end of the day, is a company, as I mentioned earlier, is really made up of the individuals within it. 
And I think that if I have to go back, some of the experiences of like vetting the individuals I work with, the structure of the team, and the capabilities of the individuals, I didn't really, I would advise myself to take that a lot more seriously. Speaking of taking things more seriously, I have a kind of funny but true advice for my younger self as well. Don't cheap out on lawyers. I did that in, in my in my first company and instead of going with the expert in this space, worked with legal counsel that was on a discount and paid dearly in anxiety for it. So I think the advisors that you surround yourself with, whether it's legal, whether it's tax, whether it's uh, technology or whatever else you're complementing of your skills, try to get the best people in this space uh, excited about your project. Uh, hopefully be as good as Alex is and get them to do it for cheaper or free for you. But if you can't, I think it will, it will pay off, uh, especially on the critical decisions that you make for, for while you're building an organization. Alex, I want to get a little more specific just to give people an even better idea, because I think it's kind of a cliche, you know, pick the right people. I mean, that's kind of a given, but how do you filter that? What cues or, or specific things do you look for in a person to actually know you're working with someone who's, who's a good person to work with? Yeah. So I, I think I'll answer that in like two parts because I think when you don't have the experience it's kind of to what Sean said is make sure you have the right people around you to give you the correct advice on making sure that you can correctly vet the individuals you're working with. Obviously you can look back at their backgrounds, the experience that they've had and try to judge based on that. Uh, but one thing I truly believe in, and now thankfully I'm at a place where I could do that, uh, being kind of repeat in this process is being able to, uh, take a little bit of time to really understand what each individual piece of a company or each individual does within a company. Um, not to necessarily be the expert at every specific task, but understanding that individuals like work, whether it's like an engineering team or a marketing team or a finance team really lets you better vet that individual that you're working with and more effectively build an organization. Yeah, one of my mentors used to always tell me, don't hire for a job that you don't know what that job is, because you can't wet the person effectively. And one of the things that that led me to do as every function at every company that I've started, I at least know whether what are some of the basics of the process and the activities. I'm, I'm not an expert on every single one of them, but at least I know what is involved so I can... Uh, I can gauge the individual's competence and comfort with those areas and hopefully call some BS if, if it gets to that point as well. Yeah, I think that's a good place to definitely know something about it. Do you also bring in mentors or, or friends or when you're at the stage when you're just hiring a new candidate of person that you don't know exactly all the details of what they're doing, do you use outside help or how do you do the vetting. Yeah. So if, if it is something that is completely outside of, outside of my expertise, then, uh, getting somebody else that I trust their judgment to, to be involved in the vetting process really helps a lot. So if you, let's say you're hiring a, you know, performance marketing person, and that's not your expertise, I'm sure within your network, you can find somebody that who does that very well, or even in your advisor group, 
uh, you can find somebody who has experience there or can introduce you to somebody that they trust and leverage them for interviews. And I'm being asked to do the same thing for a lot of my friends. So if it's they're hiring their first uh, tech person or marketing person or other areas that, that I have a lot of experience, they would ask me to do an interview for their, for their candidate and uh, give them give them feedback on that. So I think uh, you can definitely rely on people outside the company as well to, to round that up, especially in the early stages when you don't have every skill set uh, on the team. So this is how you get 100 emails asking for you to vet people for them? Shouldn't offer those services. Yeah. <laughs> Cheyenne, can you interview uh, someone yeah. for me? I yeah. heard you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Create a new token to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. Earn.com, guys. Come on. <laughs> Interview token. <laughs> Interview token. So is there anything else that we haven't talked about already that our audience really needs to hear? I think uh, we've touched on a lot of topics. I think the main thing is if uh, anyone else listening to this has any specific questions and wants to reach out to us, uh, we're happy to like dig in a little bit deeper and speak to them about the work we're doing. So uh, you can either do that, uh, reach out to us through trustroot.io or email us at uh, info at trustroot.io as well. And we're happy to engage in those conversations. Or Cheyenne will be happy to help you vet your uh, team members. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and if you need any interviews done, Cheyenne at (laughs) trustroot.io. Serious inquiries only. He'll, he'll interview as long as you're willing to uh, to put a big investment in. How about that? Fair enough. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to interview, and I'm honored to have two successful guests such as yourselves to come on the podcast. This is our first ever interview on a bit cryptic. So you guys are the maiden voyage. The I'm trying to think of more to the unknown. Yeah, to the unknown. No, we feel honored. Thanks, thanks for allowing us to be to be the first, and uh, hopefully your audience enjoys the conversation. It was a blast for us. I learned a lot about my co-founders. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys were great. You guys were great. The energy between you two and yeah. how you bounce off each other just comes across. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks so much for having us. Uh, it means a lot. Yeah, and if you can get Ty Lopez on here, you know that'll. I'd be, I'd be cool with that too. All right, you're, you're, you're kind of competing with his crypto podcast, so we'll, we'll need to work on that a little bit. Well, I, I think uh, what it was podcast people interview each other usually, right? It spreads love among. That's true. If anything, it's helpful. But I know he's a busy I'll guy. Make it a condition. I won't hold you to it. I know. I know it's hard to get busy people on things like this. All right, guys. So if you want to go check them out, trustroot.io. Follow them on Twitter on on uh, you guys have an instagram if not then get one soon and uh telegram and get on their mailing list to learn more about this technology that's going to shape 2018 you can uh, reach out to us at trustroot.io on twitter as well awesome awesome all right guys thanks for coming on thank you thanks for having us wow those are two awesome entrepreneurs i'm so glad we got them on the show and I am so stoked about their product. I mean, I've had serious concerns oftentimes, you know, who am I dealing with? Just even sending sometimes, you know, transferring money from one of my accounts to the others. I'm not double checking 50 times because you want to make sure you're, you're getting the right account. Yeah. Even my girlfriend lost a fair bit of Ethereum transferring money to the wrong wallet. So it hit close to home. 
And with every single ICO getting attacked these days, like literally every single ICO getting attacked, this is this couldn't come any sooner. And I think the what ends up happening is that you know the attackers know that they can easily transfer that money and once that money is is out it's gone it's not coming back so yes definitely every ico is getting attacked websites everywhere they're getting like i said during the interview even their their donation addresses are getting changed yeah it's ridiculous the the amount of hacking the, the sheer volume of hacking that's happening and to get this product from a couple guys that you know they've been around you can look them up. You can see that they're legit. You know, sometimes as, as we go through all those white papers and, and we, we see these promising ICOs, but we look at the teams and they're not, they're not people we know. They're not, they don't have information on them out there. Yeah. They're like Joe Schmo, day trader, like, you know, worked at, you know, some company, but that's about it. Like never actually built their own yeah, company. You don't even know if they're real. Yeah. These guys have are serial entrepreneurs. They've, I mean, I've heard of Zeus. If you haven't heard of Zeus, you should have, if you were not in the, under a rock, they're serious entrepreneurs and, uh, they have like uh, clearly a great network of people that are helping them. I mean, Ty Lopez, that's awesome. I mean, they have a lot of crypto knowledge at their disposal. So I'm really excited for this project. Yeah. And just, just a clear track record that, that alone, something you can, you know, you can research, you can, you can do a few searches. They come up, you see what they've done before. That makes you feel a lot better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. All right. So again, trustroot.io and you can follow them on Twitter at trustroot.io. I look forward to big things from this project. I think this is a household name we're going to be seeing soon. Hopefully. All right. Thanks for listening guys. Later. And remember, keep it cryptic. Always.